Unconscious Bias Project. <laughs> hey everybody, this is a really interesting and thoughtful podcast that we have with you. We interviewed Tony and we learned about Alix and I think we got kind of deep and really thoughtful about leadership. What does leadership mean? Can you even teach leadership? Uh, what does it look like and what does it look like in different contexts and how critical diversity and equipping leaders with running diverse teams, like how do you even do that? Well, we talk about all of that and a little bit about Burning Man. This is a real treat. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Hola a todos. Lynette here. And Alexis. Your co-hosts, both she, her, bringing you impactful stories and interviews from our communities to you and exploring how we can best support each other. The Unconscious Bias Project is based in the San Francisco Bay Area in California on unceded ancestral homeland belonging to the Ramaytush Ohlone and Muwekma Ohlone peoples, some of whom speak the language Chechenyo. We encourage you to learn more about the Ohlone people on our website and in the podcast links. So welcome everyone, and especially to our guest today, Tony Wen. We're really excited to have him. Tony is the executive director of the American Young Leader Exchange, a nonprofit organization that seeks to develop young leaders through domestic cultural exchange. Tony himself is a West Point graduate and veteran of the Iraq War, where he learned many lessons about leadership. He later earned an MBA at Columbia Business School and is also involved in safety and care at Burning Man as a BlackRock Ranger. We're so proud to welcome him today as a guest on our podcast. Welcome, Tony. Howdy, y'all. Howdy. So, um, Tony, with that, what is AYLX? What is the American Young Leader Exchange? And do you pronounce it ALIX? Uh, I've been pronouncing it ALIX, but I don't correct people, and I'll just let language take its natural course and see what it settles on. Uh, ALEX, the American Young Leader Exchange, is a, basically you take the the concept of the well-known international student exchange where high schoolers spend a semester or a summer abroad and we bring it home domestically. So American students spend a, a summer or a semester living with another American family from a culturally different region of America. Our intent is this is how you develop a cross-cultural leader, one who is immersed in a different uh, type of American culture, understands the language, and gets to understand what America's uh, about beyond our just little pockets of uh, civilization that we live in. On top of that, uh, the program's free. We pay for uh, transportation. We pay for a one-on-one -on -one coach for that student, and also we provide social emotional workshops before they go. Uh, classes such as Seven Forms of Respect, Active Listening, and Empathy. So are you focusing on anything in particular, for instance, trying to get you know, city kids out to rural areas or rural out to city? Is there any specific exchange that you're focusing on or is it really all of them equally? It is, uh, that's a great question. In terms of geography, there is no geographic focus. Um, what we do is that when we make a recommendation to match a family with a student, we look at five factors. First one being socioeconomic. 
um, very complex and nuanced. The other one is ethnic, religious, type of community they're from, uh, that's urban, rural, suburban form. And lastly, number five is the cultural region of America. Um, depends on which sociologist you, you, you speak to, um, the lines are, are different, but uh, let's say, for example, the West Coast is very different from New Orleans, uh, which is very different from the, the uh, Maine. So those are, those are the general guidelines, those five factors that we look into. I'm curious about how do families um, learn about this program? Are you like in every every high school or, you know, how do most people come across Alix? And what would I be like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to get um, out of going through Alix. What does that like prepare me for? To answer your questions, uh, first, more details at, at our website, AYLX.org. There you'll, you'll learn uh, the all the details of the program as well as the, the online application process is uh, there as well. For the second one, what do students get out of this? Um, so let me, my alma mater, uh, West Point, they, they have an application process just like any other college institution. Um, one thing that they ask for in the essays, uh, acknowledging and recognizing the fact that um, West Point leaders will have to lead diverse teams. They asked the student to explain how they would be good at leading diverse teams. Right there, United States Military Academy at West Point acknowledges and understands that leaders need to be able to lead diverse teams. And ALIX will enable students to, to do that, to uh, get a leg up and start their leadership journey. Part of being leaders is not only the, the competence of what you can do, the techniques and the methods of management, but also empathy and understanding someone different. And the way you learn that is face-to-face and building natural relationships and friendships. As we all know on this podcast, our, you know, our world is, you know, continuing to, you know, reach out further than we've ever had, reach, you know, further internally than we've ever had. I think a lot of, um, you know, much much like in, in any country, you see other countries as, okay, there's just like one kind of person, right? So, you know, if you're from Colombia, you're like, think of Americans, you're like, okay, this is like one kind of person, you know, they're, I don't know, like a, a white guy with blue eyes, it's like really tall and is very loud um, and entitled or whatever. And so it's, it's easy to have these like <clears throat> stereotypes of different countries, different people, different regions, even within a country as some kind of monolith. And I see part of the beauty of Alex of like breaking down those expectations of what somebody else is or looks like or behaves like or what their interests are um, because you get to to meet people and, and reach them, you know, personally. And as, you know, as we, um, you know, gather, as we become more diverse, as we, you know, make more inclusive and more equitable workplaces and and classrooms and teams, I think that leadership is is super, super important. Um, and I'm actually curious, you know, you you um, kicked off with, um, you know, this is sort of like that culture exchange, but looking domestically. How did you get to that concept of like, actually, we have so much diversity within the United States that, um, you know, just, you know, going to, you know, from, I don't know, California, San Francisco 
to uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for example, is a difference. There is a difference there. There's a different culture. There's a different expectation. There's a different, um, even the the colloquialisms are different. You know, social expectations are different. There's a lot of differences there. How did you get to, you know, I need to build Alix and and my focus is going to be sort of like this uh, domestic exchange and specifically for uh, people in high school. How did, how did that concept come about? Back in 2016, a lot of my friends were, were, were not happy with the, the election results. And some were. Um, I have friends from, uh, I think because of my, uh, my experiences in the military, from a, a wide swath of, of uh, uh, types of Americans. And they were saying very different things within social media, my Facebook. And both sides wanted to get the word out. And they started posting and they started to, um, discussions amongst people who think like them. And they thought that, okay, if you post something that would actually, uh, that would reach the people who uh, think differently than you. Uh, then uh, is when I realized that like everyone's kind of screaming into an echo chamber. Um, it feels good to do so. Um, however, you're just going to get feedback from people you know, and they're going to reaffirm your beliefs. This happens regardless of your, your uh, affiliations or what you believe. It just happens. We've seen Francis Hugan testify in front of Congress, basically reaffirming that, that social media just uh, solidifies our echo chambers. On top of that, our echo chambers are also geographic as well, uh, in addition to digital, where we move to places and live with people who think similar, similar to us. And so now uh, understanding that uh, people are in their digital silos and their geographic silos, and their professional silos. You hang around people you work with more likely than than any other person. How can people actually break out of those silos and meet someone differently than them? Not only meet, but get to know them, befriend them, build a relationship with someone different. You have to physically move them. Um, all these efforts to expose us digitally to someone different. That's not. That's that's a poor substitute for for actually meeting people and being immersed in their environments. And so we have to physically, like, imagine a a, a claw in a in a in. Uh, you have to put, plug plug them up and move them to a different location and immerse them there. And then you have to give them the tools to communicate and thrive in those new situations. I don't see another way uh, around it to actually better connect Americans. We do talk a lot at UBP about, you know, ways that you can reduce your biases. And one of those is by altering your media diet and that that can change how you see folks. But yeah, getting to actually know people in person seems like such a crucial step to being able to um, imagine them complexly. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a form of uh, um, exposure therapy. One of the um, pieces I was hoping to learn from is why high school? Why, why is um, high school a good time to do something like this versus, I don't know, like a college kid or um, somebody who's fresh out of college or maybe even like a middle schooler? What's the, is there a sweet spot with it being high school? Most definitely is a sweet spot. Uh, several factors. Uh, one is that uh, at the college level, there are several programs that are similar to this, where college students exchange from one college to another. Also, high schoolers are at a unique stage in life where they're becoming adults. 
And during that process, you have rapid growth, you have rapid um, sense of self-discovery. And so as a high schooler, you're formulating your own ideas, and this is a good time for you to expand your your perspectives and get more. If if you were in the AI uh, business, um, really expand that training set. High schoolers live with their families, and there is a wealth of experience just being embedded with a different family. In college, you you have you're you're embedded with you're in a dorm. And such, but being in a family, seeing the discussions, being part of the discussions at the dinner table, seeing what they care about, looking, understanding what they care about in terms of like their the bills that they pay, the type of food that they eat, how do they cook it, how do they shop for it, what are their daily concerns about the future of their children, the future of their family, the future of their uh, city and state. You're uh, intimately immersed as a high schooler in an American family that you don't really get in college. That's really cool. Yeah, you would get not just a single interpersonal experience, but a wealth of them all at once. A really, I mean, as you say, right, an immersive experience. So as students are getting ready to do this cultural exchange and are, you know, getting ready to go from from a city to rural or rural to a city, um, and maybe there are banal challenges such as like, how do I get around public versus a car to, you know, larger interpersonal expectations. How do you guide these youth through this experience? How do you prepare them and how do you guide them through potential challenges? For students that qualify, we'll award a thousand dollar stipend for them to spend throughout the, the semester or the summer. And the second uh, layer of support is that they have a coach and a coach is, is slightly more than just a coach. A coach is, is there to uh, support them in their, in their discovery, but also serves as a, another layer of uh, support to under, to, for the, the student to share what their concerns are and uh, report uh, back to Alex for us to um, intervene such in case something they need support, whether it's uh, interacting with the school or interacting with the family. Our, our programs were very intimate with both the, the students as well as the families and the schools. Alex started about a year ago in the heart of the pandemic, and our pilot program is this summer, which we're push, pushing hard to exchange six students with six, uh, six families. And so as stories for impact, uh, before the podcast, we kind of shared a little bit about, um, you know, um, our experiences traveling, our experiences in different countries and and cultures, and sort of how how rich, really, and interesting and fun it is to to learn about, you know, just even another person or how to connect to people or, you know, sort of like the shared humanity, even if you're, you know, in a different part of the world or, um, you know, just like the bonding under duress, um, you know, all of these different factors um, that we've had um, experiences with um, as adults. You know, you mentioned uh, being at West Point, uh, you mentioned uh, being in Iraq. What do you think would have been the impact on Tony, the teenager in high school, had you done an exchange like this? 
uh, it's funny. I, I often think about this. Mike's my time at West Point and in the army and deployed. Uh, I was exposed to all sorts of things. Here's, here's a different culture. Here's, here's the military culture. Here's the Iraqi culture. Uh, here are Iraqi people. Here are, uh, military folks from different parts of America. I got the exposure first without many of the tools, the social emotional tools, uh, that I, I would prefer to have to process them. And, uh, that's, that's, I mean, that's the experience for every military person. You're exposed to all this diversity, but you're not exactly given the tools to how to, how to work with that. And so it wasn't until I learned those tools after getting out of the army that I was able to reflect on those and also uh, focus on maintaining those relationships that I built, uh, when I was in the army. Now with Alex, you get the tools first, you get, you start that process earlier in your life. Had I had Alex, I would have, uh, it would have enabled me to be a better leader, but also uh, enabled me to maintain and strengthen those friendships that I built throughout uh, my experiences. Because, yeah, you get the tools first. And I imagine like every, every high schooler getting those tools earlier in life, starting that process, starting that growth. And uh, I, I can see just a, a hockey stick of personal, uh, personal and leadership growth in, in, in America's youth, if you get those two tools and exposure sooner. I'm curious about these tools um, because I also, you know, folks that know me personally and uh, folks that have been longtime listeners might know, I, you know, I grew up around the world. I'm from Bogota, Colombia. Um, I moved to Nigeria and France and Venezuela and Texas, which is very culturally different from any other place I've ever been in the U.S., and um, and I've lived in San Francisco, and at this point, I've also lived in New Mexico and Las Cruces. And um, I'm curious about you know what are these social emotional tools that maybe I already have that I don't know, or that maybe I could be you know learning and and you know as you said to help process past experiences or, or look forward to future experiences. And I would I would love if you could answer this social emotional tools question with how maybe you apply that um, at Burning Man uh, for Black Rock City, you know, because I think sometimes people think of oh, leadership skills or something that you only use when you're, I don't know, a CEO or you're managing a team or you're running a platoon or something, I don't know, zero army language other than what I've seen on TV. <laughs> but yeah, how does that look like in, in Black Rock City? What, what does that, what does that look like at Burning Man? Um, so, uh, so, uh, I'll, I think I'll start with explaining uh, the tools a little bit better. And so, we, uh, for the tools, we partnered with, uh, a leadership consultancy firm called curiosity based their focus, um, before working with us is teaching, uh, the, these social emotional tools to, uh, high level, high level executives and, uh, management. And so we, we work with them to build a custom curriculum for, uh, our, our, our teens. Uh, we made three classes. Uh, one is exploring assumptions to build empathy. Uh, the next class is asking better questions. And the third class, which I suggest, uh, I alluded to before, is the seven forms of respect. And I all teach, myself teach, um, uh, American nations, which is basically uh, the cultural subregions of America and how they came to be and what that actually means in today's terms. That's a curriculum. How does that empathy work? How do those tools play out in places like 
Black Rock City, where uh, you have you have some diversity, but also you have um, folks who are in going through various things. Uh, Black Rock City is a, a place where you explore your boundaries. Your boundaries sometimes have unexpected uh, results. One thing we we teach the teens is okay, asking better questions. What is that? What exactly? What exactly does this mean? It means first understanding well, how do I ask questions? How do I explore? What's my curiosity? How does it play out? Um, and also, there's a there's a lot of active listening within this within this uh, course. So if you ask a question, shut up. <laughs> a bit and let the person uh, talk about themselves. And then because you're actively listening, the other person feels heard because they are heard. Um, you can't really fake empathy. Uh, there's a running joke that like uh, I say, if you can fake empathy, you've made it. When someone feels heard, then regardless of whether or not you agree with each other, you have a foundation to, uh, to build a relationship there. Just hearing each other not trying to convince one person uh, of one thing or another, just hearing them and understanding where their concerns really come from. Because everyone has, there's, there's two layers of communication. It's one is what I want, what I say I want, and what I actually feel. And a great example is the, the orange problem, right? Two people want an orange. They, they say, I want this orange, but they don't really communicate what they actually need which is one person needs the peel and the other person needs the, the, the juice. And so they actually could share this orange and both address their needs. Well, I've actually never heard of that uh, model or that question or, or, you know, the situation, the orange, orange problem. Uh, that's, that's really cool. I, I think that's, that's a, I never really, I guess considered, I mean, I've obviously we, you know, in this work and, you know, helping people connect with each other, you know, considering diversity and inclusion, you know, we're hoping people do that. They listen to each other, they shut up, they actually, you know, validate somebody's experience just by listening or just by, you know, even repeating back, right? Like I heard you say, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the, the layers that you, that you bring there of like, what do you actually want? And then what are you feeling? I think sometimes we forget, we forget that, um, when, you know, when you're just any conversation, like, what do you want for breakfast? What I actually want is I need to know, you know, if you have a preference so that I can, you know get this breakfast on the table because I need to be ready for work or, you know, whatever is like, there's actually, it's not just what would you like out of all the things in the world for breakfast? That's not my actual question. Right. And, and maybe what I'm feeling is I'm feeling stressed out because we don't have breakfast on the table. Can you help me solve this issue? Right. You know, and I'm thinking of my kid, right. Who sometimes is like, I don't know, you choose mom. And it's like, uh, Okay, if I bring you, if I bring you toast, then you're gonna be upset that there wasn't an egg on it, and then it's gonna take us like ten times longer to have breakfast. But you know, sort of communicating some of these pieces can be can be really key. And um, I've I've done I did this uh, what's it called a uh, search inside yourself leadership institute. It's um 
they were a nonprofit. Now they've turned into a B Corp. Part of the has turned into B Corp. But anyways, the point is, is that they're all about applying um, mindfulness uh, skills with a leadership lens, like looking at leadership. And one of the exercises that they have you do are like different levels of listening, mindful listening, active listening, and different kinds of ways that you can listen. You either just just listen and shut up. You listen and recap what you heard, you know, like the content, or you listen and you recap what you heard somebody was feeling as they were telling you the story. So I could only imagine like the layers in <laughs> the orange story um, of what could be there. Um, that's really interesting. So not all uh, of our listeners might know what Black Rock City is or what is Burning Man and what uh, kind of context you're talking about, like diversity and different things going on, people processing different things. Um, I put both of y'all on the spot. How would you describe Burning Man to some to somebody that's never been? Um, I would say that um, it is life concentrated, where um, kind of like the movies where. Uh, you take the movies are uh, a, a, a slice of life with all the boring parts taken out. And so Burning Man's the same thing. Let's have one incredible experience after another, after another, after another. Uh, when you do that in a, in, a, in a span of a week, it takes a toll and it challenges you. And so um, you can have wild swings of emotion and, and uh, intellectual processing, personal processing and growth all within a week. So, you know, take like, I don't know, a year's worth of your life and just take out all the boring parts and then you're burning it. I, I often say um, it just kind of amplifies everything to 10. And I would add for those that um, haven't seen pictures or anything, this is all in the context of a desert. And Black Rock City is basically a one week self-sufficient unit that people um, take months to set up. And to give you that infrastructure, that environment, so then people can do wonderful art or create interesting projects or experiences so that everybody, you know, and it has it has multiple different layers of experience. And I, I bring up and I, I'm focusing on, on Black Rock City and on Burning Man because uh, I feel that one of the things that that we forget in leadership or or even as as adults now looking back. Um, to kids, there's all of this of, you know, high school kids or young adults, I should say, <clears throat> there's all of these different kinds of layers of experience and areas where you can be a leader, right? Um, just like I said, it's not just, you know, are you leading a team? Are you leading a platoon? Are you, you know, designing a program? But leadership can be, you know, I see a camp across the way at Burning Man at Black Rock City and I notice that they're struggling with their uh, generator. Leadership can be walking over and say, "Hey, friend, what's going on? I see that you're, um, you know, might have trouble with the generator. Can I help?" Yeah, I, I love that example too because because of two things. Uh, one is that you're not leading people in a formal uh, power structure. You're leading peers. Uh, you took initiative. Uh, the leader is normally the one who takes initiative. It's the first one to do something. 
and uh, secondly, you are the bridge. You are the because you are the bridge between your two camps. That's leadership. That's being a liaison. That camp could be totally different. They could be from a different uh, city. Uh, they can be from a different state, uh, and they could be there to experience or a country even. And they could be there to experience a Burning Man in a way that you you do not. And so you being uh, crossing that bridge, going over them, and and having a foot in either world, albeit you're just two camps next to each other, that is that is leadership. Yeah, we definitely talk a lot about um, both formal and informal leadership and just how much there is there in terms of possibilities that people can be leaders even when they don't know that they are um one of my favorite leaders when i was a young lieutenant was uh uh major moore now colonel moore and he's uh, when i first joined uh his unit i was going through a rough time uh i i just been relieved of uh, my platoon in another unit and i got traded over so i was i was feeling a bit down and he looked at my my uh, my paperwork and chatted me chatted with me a bit he saw something in me that I didn't see at the time because I was feeling really down and feeling like a failure. And he said, Tony, from what I see, looking at your, 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 your history on paper and seeing how you are, it's like you're, you're fine. And then he said, when you get your next platoon, when in doubt, lead. That statement's really, really stuck mm-hmm. with me. That's really fantastic. All right. I want to ask you more about leadership, but for just a moment we are actually going to take it to a break hi everyone this is seth and i am one of the audio editors and volunteers here at uvp the unconscious bias project brings creative accessible evidence-based solutions for unintentional bias to academic technological governmental organizations and beyond We sustain a welcoming home for inquisitive and creative minds and encourage a growth mindset, working by the model of 0% guilt, 100% empowerment. Please subscribe or follow our Facebook and Instagram for the latest in events and how you can learn more and be involved. Also, take a look and check out our guest website and learn more. Look for that information in the description section of your podcast or on our website. Right before the break, we were just talking with Tony about leadership. And I think everyone kind of has a nebulous idea of what leadership is. We all, you know, have interacted with leaders. We have probably all displayed leadership to some degree. But what is leadership? It can be one of those abstracts. It's hard to pin down what it actually is. So can you tell us what even is leadership? And why is exchange and diversity important to leadership? Uh, yeah, when I first be- became a young lieutenant, uh, the army has a definition of leadership. It's not verbatim, but leadership is motivating, guiding, uh, organizing a group of people toward a, a, a singular mission goal and also taking care of them. Uh, they added that last part um, later. And, and like that's a good definition to me. When it comes to what Alex brings are uh, the empathy that we teach, the connectedness with the people who are different than you. That runs all throughout 
that statement, motivating, organizing, leading, um, providing guidance. You're better able to do all that when you understand your team, whether it's formal or informal. And when your team sees that you understand that, they're more willing to, to work with you and to work harder for you because you care. You understand where they're coming from. You understand their concerns. Um, you're not uh, just motivated by hitting the deliverables, but also caring about their well-being. They say, you know, you can manage up or you can manage down. You can manage both. Just last night, I was talking to a friend about leadership. She's preparing for a job interview and um, she's worried, you know, she's feeling anxious, excited about this job posting. And it's a, it's a position of leadership. And so she was worrying about what if they ask me, what is leadership? Like, I got to be really good with the terminology. And she sent me an article from like indeed.com on leadership. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, you know, leadership, you've experienced it. You've been a leader. They care about what leadership is to you, not, you know, they're hiring you and how you would lead, not like indeed.com. Like they're not, they're not looking for the textbook. Like textbook is great. You know, leave that to the writers, leave that to, you know, people that research leadership, but it's like, what is leadership for you? What, what makes you think, ah, yeah, that's a leader I want to follow. One of the things that I I recently learned that it's, it's just brings me confidence in the future of uh, where the army wants to go is that i recently um had a little mini virtual reunion with um some of my classmates uh, from west point and uh some of them uh, most of us are out out of the army and some of us are still in one of us um uh, who's still in is uh pete erickson uh now lieutenant colonel pete erickson and my class which is the class of 2004 um it's about our cohort is uh, right now about to become uh, battalion commanders. Battalion commanders is something that's it's pretty prestigious. There's only um, X number of battalions in, in the Army. Battalion is a group of soldiers that ranges in size from anywhere from 300 to, to 800. Depends on what, what job you do in the Army. And so Pete Erickson is about to uh, uh, become battalion commander of an infantry unit. An infantry unit is about 600. I was infantry. They go, to, they go to a school to prepare them for this command. I forgot the name of the school. And so um, when he was in this school, he was visited by the undersecretary of the army. And the undersecretary of the army said, look, we go by the, through, uh, the four C's of leadership. And we, we look at commitment, competence, compassion, and care. And he held up his fingers. And he, he, he pointed to uh, one of, the, one of the, the young lieutenant colonels and said, we already know that you're committed and have competence. You wouldn't be here if you did not. However, the Army's done a really not great job at teaching and promoting uh, the compassion and care. It just made me feel great because normally one of the worst types of leaders you can run into is that one who just cares about managing up. Uh, did you accomplish the mission? Did you meet these numbers? Did you meet this objective of like oh, X number of uh, soldiers passed this particular test? Um, you have a readiness uh, rating of 93%, which is great. Um, but how many people did you, how many of your soldiers did you crush along the way? What, am I, what I mean by crush is, did you push them out of the army when they didn't need to be? Did you uh, um, make sure that 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 soldier's family felt supported while that soldier was 
I had to be, uh, had to go to a training exercise for two weeks, uh, which is time away from the family is stressful. And so uh, if that soldier did not go to the training exercise, well, you're, then you had one of the soldier out there to accomplish your mission. Um, at the same time that they feel supported. So um, it was great to hear that now the undersecretary of the army is saying, saying that, okay, we care about all these things, but because we've neglected compassion and care, that's, that's hurt our long-term goals. Leadership is a way to meet your goals and care for your people. Do you have any particular experiences from your time in the military that you want to tell us about that highlight how compassion and care can be used to bring a team together? There's this one time when I first uh, arrived in Baghdad in 2007. And if you remember uh, the Iraq war in 2007, 2008, that was the time of the surge where uh, the president, uh, President Bush sent an extra um, units into uh, uh, Iraq in order to alleviate what is fundamentally a civil war at that point between the Shia and the Sunni. I was on patrol in a neighborhood of Baghdad, southern Baghdad. It was it was what they say hot there. A lot of uh, a lot of fighting between the two factions in that neighborhood, and I had chai with a, a local leader. I wouldn't call him an imam per se, but um, he could have been. And he was an older gentleman. We sat down in in his in his home where while my platoon pulled security outside. And there's various ways that I can approach this. And what I I did instinctually was let me take off my helmet, take off my um, my armor vest and my gear, put it next to me. I sat down and remembering that. Okay, in the Iraqi culture, you defer to uh, their age and their seniority. And so I made sure I did that and as to look non-threatening as possible because I wanted to convey that we are partners. I'm not here to dominate you. I'm not here to intimidate you. We're going to here to work together. And throughout that conversation, I could feel him open up like almost like a flower um, and sharing with me the things that he, I'm sure he did not share with the previous soldiers who, uh, uh, who uh, patrolled that area before me, the previous, previous unit. And I can tell that some of my senior leaderships uh, who were in the room with me, they got it. They started sensing like, oh, hey, Lieutenant Wynn, he cares about this people. Them seeing me express empathy and treat the uh, Iraqis as equals, as humans, runs counter to some uh, to the perception of some soldiers, especially the young ones, that uh, Iraqis are are lesser. Uh, we're here to uh, protect them, or like maybe as as children, or for me to uh, show them firsthand that like no, this is definitely how it's not how we we treat them, and I think that that strengthened our our platoon. Um, that let uh, everyone know, like, hey, Lieutenant Wynn's going to put his safety on the line uh, in order to treat these people equally by taking off his helmet, by taking off his 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 plated vest, um, by taking off his gear. We're, we're a team, both the Raggies, local Raggies and U.S. Army. Damn, that must have taken some serious guts. 
as you were describing this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine be like, okay, I hear bullets whizzing by. You know, I can imagine like hearing the bullets fly by and bet themselves in like a wall, you know, I don't know, 20 feet away and being like, okay, I'm going to take off my helmet, <laughs> you know, hear somebody, you know, maybe yelling in the background. All right, I'm going to take off my vest, like knowing conflict that just happened yesterday or that morning or that, you know, it's going to happen later and be like, no, I'm going to put my weapons over here and just, I'm just going to put myself out there. I'm just I'm hearing the levels of like both vulnerability, role modeling and saying like, okay, this like, you know, I, I think other people could be familiar with it, with like the white savior mentality of like, I am here to help you because you cannot have agency. You don't have knowledge. You don't have strength. You don't have, you know, whatever it is. Right. And being like, nope, that's just zero useful right now. I'm going to, you know, meet you as an equal and be vulnerable in the way that I, I can and be really respectful and really engage. And uh, that's really powerful. I, I can see that, you know, applying in so many different contexts. Is that sort of what you teach um, or what you're hoping, <laughs> aiming to teach uh, kids um, going through ALIX? Like how, you know, that that piece of like vulnerability and and meeting each other as equals to teach is like kind of a weird term to me because we we definitely uh, explicitly teach them these four uh, uh classes before they go we hope that they uh learn on their own these these lessons um with guidance from the coach as they are exposed to these uh, uh new situations as they're immersed in them um and it's a journey. I didn't arrive to that. At that point of the deployment, I was 20, I was 25 and still discovering what leadership meant to me. And so um, we hope to plant the seed because they're, they're high schoolers. Hope to plant the seed and, and, and watch them grow into the type of leader that they want to be. Um, what exactly that means to them, it's, uh, these lessons are unique to every person because every exchange is unique uh, and every child that goes in, into that exchange is unique but they do share every kid does does share like fundamental curiosity and respect for other cultures um, if you didn't have that you wouldn't be part of alix there's two different types of people there's the us versus them right you you know maybe you go on a trip go to new orleans and you're like uh this food is different from what i'm used to uh i can't find my i don't know arugula salad Ugh, I can't, you know, like this isn't what I expected or, you know, Bourbon Street is supposed to be fancier. Why is it covered in piss at four o'clock in the morning? Or can I just like, you know, order the things that I'm comfortable with or or do the things that I'm comfortable with or or have the experience that I expected? And then there's the people that are like, all right, I'm here to experience like what is what's going on in New Orleans? What's what is the magic of Bourbon Street? The you know, the switch, the like curiosity, the, um, I want to learn about the history. I want to learn about, um, you know, the statue here. Um, uh, you know, I want to understand, you know, the, the cultural context of, I love picking New Orleans because it has so much rich history and, you know, and painful history and joyous history, right? There's, um, it was a center for slave trade. It's also the center 
um, for goods and mercantile trade. It's the, you know, there's a merging of a bunch of different cultures, whether intentionally or unintentionally. There was, you know, there's history of, of revolution, of rebellion. There's um, history, you know, culturally with uh, Spanish, French, many different African, especially West African uh, cultures and countries. There's these um, evolution of different kinds of dialect. Music has so much diversity in it too because of all of these contexts. And it's reflected in the in the people now and in the foods and in there's a richness, there's something different there. And you can either approach it as I'm here to experience, I'm here to learn, I'm here to connect, or you can approach it as I'm here to, you know, receive the things that I am expecting. And I can only imagine that with with Alex, you're hoping to equip these high schoolers, these young, young adults, because really they're about to, you know, venture on into figuring themselves out. Like you said, they're, uh, you know, about to work on themselves as leaders. Uh, they're about to experience, you know, life beyond um, what they grew up with. They're, they're cocoons. And, you know, we're hoping they come to it with that curiosity, like you were saying, with that, like I see you as an equal, with that respect, with that, um, with compassion and caring, with tools of like, all right, I learned some things in the ALEX program and now it's up to me to see how I can connect with it in the real life. Any child given the right uh, support and experiences can grow into a leader. That's like fundamental we're not we're not fixed on a life path it's easier to uh grow when you have a, a fundamental baseline uh at an early age of exposure to something unique and outside your comfort zone uh, earlier you get used to it you, you foster that curiosity because you're rewarded you're put in, into environments that require you to explore um, versus uh environments that are that you're comfortable with aka your hometown your home school your actual house. You can't help to be changed when you go through an experience like this. I can't wait to hear the stories because even as an adult and even with my limited experiences, just, you know, I have found that when I drove across the country and just got to, you know, literally even just sit in places, really good for my heart and my empathy, I felt like to be there. You know, also driving between San Francisco and Oregon to see a friend, I've been getting more and more comfortable with the parts of California that I think a lot of my friends don't even know exist just from having friendly interactions in gas stations, things like that. And to be somewhere for how long are the exchanges? Uh, in the summer, there are three weeks, either simultaneous or back to back. And during the semester, it's semester long. And also uh, yeah. simultaneous or or back to back. Yeah, that's incredible. And so, yeah, I can't even imagine how transformative three weeks would be to be a place and really experience it, um, and really experience the people there from the inside. When you've got people who can show you what it looks like, we are at the shout out section of our podcast um, where we give people the opportunity to amplify, to thank, to draw attention to people, any other projects they're working on. 
what other projects do you have? Is there anybody you want to thank? Any other voices you want to amplify? Uh, yeah. So I'd like to thank um, Trang Tao. She's, uh, she's my director of curriculum. She's been with me pretty much from the beginning. Uh, I'd like to thank Josh Goldbard, who gave me the final push to do this. It's been surreal to, to have so many people uh, around you say, yeah, what you're doing is great. Let me invest in uh, invest my time and resources to help you. Like, oh, really? Oh, okay. Thank you. It's kind of like that last uh, that that last scene in Infinity War when um, Captain America calls for backup. Everyone shows up. Uh, yeah, Mom, uh, you got you get a second one, Dad. Thank you so much for being here with us uh, today, Tony. This has been absolutely great. We were really looking forward to it, and we're really glad we got this opportunity to talk to you. Oh, no, it's been my, been my pleasure. Thanks so much, Tony. Thanks for listening. You can find more information and donate at unconsciousbiasproject.org. Dr. Lynette Mara, she, her, and Alexis Crone, she, her, are your host. Seth Beckman, he, they, is your editor. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and follow us. We can be found on Facebook at Unconscious Bias Project, Twitter at UBP underscore STEM, LinkedIn, Instagram, or join our mailing list. UBP is a fiscally sponsored project of the Social Good Fund, a tax-deductible 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you wish to sponsor us, please contact us in the Contact Us tab at unconsciousbiasproject.org.